uh, we've been doing a series, What a Character, and been looking at different Bible characters. And uh, I think last time I spoke was our first foray into the New Testament. And I'm going back there again tonight. And uh, I know encouragement is just such a powerful thing. You know, most of you would know that in this last year I've started cooking and whatnot. And I find my greatest encouragement comes from my wife. Sue encourages me consistently, continuously. It doesn't matter if I burn it. It doesn't matter if even I know it's rubbish. She still encourages me. And even though there might be an ulterior motive in it, namely, she doesn't want to cook. And the more she encourages me, the more I cook. Even though there might be an ulterior motive, sometimes, darling, just sometimes, the fact is, I still find it encouraging. It's a funny thing, isn't it? But just encouraging words do something for you as a matter of fact proverbs 16 verse 24 says that gracious words are a honeycomb they are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones what a powerful verse gracious words um, literally feed you and uh, the leadership guru uh, john maxwell you know, he's getting on a bit now, but he's really brilliant, brilliant teaching on leadership. And he says encouragement, he calls it this, the oxygen of the soul. Encouragement is the oxygen of the soul. And, uh, and I want to look at someone tonight as we continue in this series whose name literally means encouragement. The passage I'm going to read, it's a passage about the uh, early church. It's before, just to note, before social security, before any kind of government structure that might help you if you're in a bit of difficulty. This is how the Bible describes the early church. In verse 34, it says, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned uh, land or houses sold them brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, that's pretty powerful. That's powerful generosity. But then it's just got this little tagline. And I love the way that the writer of the book of Acts, Dr. Luke, has tagged this in because he's really introducing this character who's going to show up again and again and again. And I want to look at a few of the places where he shows up tonight. The next verse says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. So he's of the tribe of Levi from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. His name literally meant encouragement. He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And this is where we're introduced to this guy. And I'm not going to focus on this particular passage, but this is just like the introduction. This is in the middle of an incredible season of generosity. And, uh, and Stephen shows up. You know, we're going to know him as Barnabas from now on. But, but uh, I think maybe uh, Barnabas, they called him that. It was like they renamed him. And there's a lot of that in Scripture. So, you know, his, his real name was Joseph, but his nickname was Barnabas. And uh, I love it because he sold a field and he gave, and that's true. But I think that that Bible renaming always means something more significant. This was not a one-off event. This was not just a, you know, a spur-of-the-moment thought. This wasn't even just being moved by the Holy Spirit in the moment and doing something very generous. He got this name because this 
is a pattern of his life, as we will show. You know, it's not, it's not hard to be encouraging once or occasionally to come up with something, but to live a lifestyle where you would be identified as someone who's encouraging, that is really, really cool. And that's who we've got here in Barnabas, and we're going to have a look at him. So what a character, Barnabas. That's the title of the message in our What a Character series. What, say it with me, what a character. Now remember what we say when we say what a character. When we call people in our society, they're a bit of a character. Uh, No matter what it's about, it tends to have a positive slant. No matter what we're saying about it, whenever we say, oh, they're a bit of a character, there tends to be a positive slant on it. What a character, Barnabas. Okay, the next time he shows up is around the new convert called Saul, who would later become, renamed himself, the great apostle Paul. But here early in the story, in Acts chapter 9, verse 23 to 27, it says, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. This is Saul. He was a new convert. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him because he'd converted. You know, he was a serious player in the religion of the day. And the religion of the day was now under threat by belief in Jesus Christ. That was perceived that that was undermining the established religion of the day. So they're looking out to kill him. Good religious folk. Have you ever noticed that? Good religious folk don't mind killing people. That's why Jesus isn't about religion. Okay, that was just uh, thrown in on the side. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Hey, we've got our folk online with us too tonight. It's really great to have you. Does it feel cool to be in the room with us? Like it does, eh? It does. I mean, the live stream is awesome. So it's great to have you with us and... God's got something in here for you. It says they lowered him through in a basket through an opening in the wall, and that's how he escaped. And when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, as you would. He's a Christian on the run, and he just wants to connect with other people that, you know, are traveling the same path as him. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, that the Lord had spoken to him, how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus, because that was all Paul's story. See, the thing was, before Saul became, you know, a believer, Saul was the biggest persecutor of the church in those early days. He was a nasty bit of work. Uh, But what I love is even when everyone else rejected him, there was something about the spirit of Barnabas that was looking for something to encourage. There was something that was so optimistic, so positive, that he could actually go after Saul. And so here's the first thought, like Barnabas, what a character, believed in someone when others didn't. I'm hoping that we catch a little bit of this spirit tonight. Believed in someone when others didn't. It says that they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple, but Barnabas took him aside. He came and he found Saul. Just stop and think about that for a moment. Saul, we, we first see Saul really at work as he's, he's, he's basically standing holding the coats and hats of an angry mob that are stoning the first Christian martyr, Stephen, to death. 
That's where we're introduced to Saul in a couple of chapters earlier than this. It's like, yeah, the, the people who were the witnesses against Stephen and had him murdered laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. This is why the church was really, really too scared to embrace him. But Barnabas, I love it, goes after him in spite of that. And, uh, and Paul went from, you know, just being a participant, uh, you know, someone who held the cloaks. He went to actively pursuing orders from the militia of the day to persecute and cast Christians in jail. So Paul had gone from bad to worse, and yet Barnabas still goes after him. He takes a punt that if Saul had truly met the risen Christ, as the story was told, then he would be a different man. And I just love that. I love that thought that Barnabas just believed. You know what? God can change a heart. What a character Barnabas is. He led with an irrepressible spirit of optimism and encouragement. And you can just hear him saying to those that were urging him, stay away, he's dangerous. You can just hear him saying, listen, with God all things are possible. He could even change a murderous heart and I'm prepared to jump in and just see what God could do in someone's heart with a little bit of encouragement. I love it. Because that's sort of a bit like, you know, putting your your hand in a hole that a brown snake just disappeared down. That's really what it's doing. You know, when I go out to the farm and I do my little bushwalking thing, I often see big browns in summer. And you'll see them out on the cultivation. It's just been ploughed and ripped up. And they might be a seven-foot snake, a big brown snake. And as you approach and they can hear you on the ground, they just slither into a crack in the ground and they disappear. And you, you can't see them, but you know they're there. And you give them a really wide berth. You know what I mean? You walk really softly a long way away. Well, actually, don't. You crunch and thump, but you go around them and you let them know that you're there. Well, well Barnabas done the opposite. It was like he ran over to where he saw the snake disappear and stuck his hand down the hole and pulled him out by the tail, believing that God would have changed him. And he had. And I love him for that. He's the only guy in the room cheering for Paul, for for Saul. Uh, What a character. Here we go. The second thing he did, and it's in the same verse, he brought him to the apostles. So he connected him to the right people. He believed in someone that no one else believed in. And he connected him to the right people. He brought him to the apostles and the apostles were leading the church at that time. They were the leaders of the church. They were the right people to know. Basically, cred with them was cred with everyone. And so he takes him to the right people. Uh, And I don't know about you, but have you ever had to approach someone who's like quite authoritative and, and you know that the idea you've got or what you want to tell them, they might not want to hear. Have you ever had to do that? Have you ever had to do that with the headmaster? I'm sure Jaden Peters has, wherever he is. Uh, probably Jordan Howard wouldn't know what that feels like at all. But, you know, or maybe, maybe even in a business sense, you've had to pitch something to the boss and you just don't know how it will go. Well, you know, Barnabas grabs a hold of Paul, brings him to them saying, hey, come on, I know he's changed. He's literally going where angels fear to tread. And the fact is, if it had gone wrong, if Paul hadn't, uh, Saul hadn't really changed, he would have gone, Barnabas would have gone from being like a hero of the early church to being the one who was its undoing. 
He was not only risking his reputation, he was risking his own life by grabbing Saul and taking him and connecting him to the right people. But I love the fact that he did it. He's fearless. What a character. Someone who will encourage even the most difficult to approach and difficult character you could find. And the fact is, the rest is history. From that point on, Saul was accepted by the early church and he became its greatest theological teacher. That's where he, you know, he went from being Saul to being Paul and that's where his story continued to. I love it. Uh, He had a platform then to change the world and it was given to him by Barnabas. It could have been missed. It was missed by everyone else. But someone who had an encouraging spirit could see something in someone else that no one else could see and was willing to risk, put his own reputation on the line to see him connected and doing well. Here's the third thought. He supported his first steps. We're going to jump to Acts chapter 11 and says, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw the grace of God Uh, what the grace of God had done and he was glad, listen to this, and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Once again, he's like, now Saul, I introduced him to the apostles and Saul disappeared and went into the desert basically to study the scriptures. And so Barnabas arrives and it's like, where's that guy that I really thought had a lot of potential and I connected him to the right people and obviously when he hears where he is, he goes down and he finds him. And, uh, and he's, you know, Paul was from Tarsus originally, so he'd obviously returned home. He found him and brought him to Antioch. Now, Antioch was the centre of the early church after Jerusalem. And uh, he brought him there. And uh, f- so for the whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And, and where this part of the story takes us is, it's, you know, again, Barnabas has gone and found Saul who has somehow drifted to the outer a little bit again and pulls him right back to the centre, right back to his destiny, right back to what would be his future as a significant leader in the early church, pulls him right back to centre, again, gives him a platform, come and teach with me, Saul, even if people are still concerned about you, you're okay by me, you'll be okay with them. And they teach these people and things are happening so significantly that literally those early followers of Jesus were first labelled there. Now the interesting thing, the term Christian was not a term of endearment in the first century. Uh, It was sort of probably very similar to what we would call an atheist today in the Greco-Roman world because Christians did not believe in all the gods of the Greco-Roman world, they were considered atheists. As in, they're not believers. They don't have strong faith. They can only believe in one God. That was by, so they were labelled, they're part of this sect that actually doesn't follow the Greco-Roman system of worship of the gods. And so, but I still think that's significant because God was doing something so powerful there that God's people were first recognised as a collective. This is what we call them of Christ 
that's who they are. And Paul's right at the centre of it. He would go on to be the most prolific teacher and writer of the New Testament. And here's the whole point. You know, sometimes the only difference between rejection and a place of acceptance or an undiscovered talent and a successful career or even a life cut short or a life well lived is a character like Barnabas, is, some, is a son of encouragement, a daughter of encouragement that will turn up with words that are as sweet as honeycomb and soothe the soul and bring healing within. So here, here's a couple of questions this should make us ask tonight. First thought is we all need a Barnabas in our lives. Come on. You need one in yours? We all need a Barnabas in our lives. And I think sometimes we can miss them because sometimes our Barnabas are obscure. You know, sometimes our Barnabas is a parent or a leader or something. And, and the reason we miss them in our lives is because we often write them off as that's just what they're meant to do. Yeah. You know, your mum and dad are always meant to be encouraging anyway. You, you know what I mean? I could say, well, Sue's always, she's meant to encourage my cooking because she's my wife. But ultimately, it's, you've got to recognise, no, actually, my wife is a really encouraging person anyway. She, she chooses to do it as a lifestyle. And that can be the difference between you finding your place or someone around you finding your place and you actually feeling dislocated. I've discovered, you know, if someone consistently encourages you, they've gone out of their way to think about that. They've gone out of their way because it doesn't always come naturally. Here's a second thought. Everyone around you needs a Barnabas in their life. The question becomes, whose Barnabas are you? Whose Barnabas are you? It's one thing to do a Bible study on a Bible character and go, good for you, Barnabas. (laughs) Keep it up. But actually, we're always meant to see ourselves in this story. As we read scripture, we're to see ourselves in the story. What part, what character do we play? And the fact is, everyone needs a Barnabas. So whose Barnabas are you? It is a great ministry, the ministry of encouragement. You know, you don't need to be learned to do it. You don't need to be super talented to do it. You don't need to be super gifted. You don't even particularly need to be overly spiritual. Spiritual, over spiritually people worry me anyway. You just need to be able to put your mouth in gear and say the right stuff and breathe life into someone's soul. That's what he was so good at. So here's some questions for us. Who do you know on the outer that you can become a bridge for? Who do you know on the outer? I t- tell you, you know, people can be cruel. And most of us, you know, probably out of the schoolyard, most of us, most of us, some of us are still in it. But, you know, kids can be cruel. But I found that doesn't stop with kids. Adults can be cruel too. Who's on the outside of a clique that you're in? You wouldn't call it a clique, but you just like hanging with the people like you and you don't want to let anyone else in. Who's someone on the outer of that that you can reach out to and that you can bring into the centre? Who's someone that you can believe in that no one else does? 
and introduce them to some of the right people. That'll encourage them and lift them. Who can you connect them to that will help them? How can you support their first steps? Just like Barnabas supported Paul's. It might be towards youth group. Might be just towards life group. Might be towards, you know, coming to church, coming to a service. It might be inviting someone, sharing a link online and just bringing them into the, the influence and the word of the church that blesses and lifts and encourages and breathes life. It might be towards a job or a career. It might be actually just thinking about themselves in a more positive way. How can you help people to take that first step? Changing the way they think about the world, changing the way they feel about themselves. What a powerful thing to do. So the question is, how can you be a Barnabas to those around you? Pretty simple, really. Just uh, believe in people that no one else tends to believe in. Try and connect them to some of the right people that'll encourage them and you know, let them become part of something with you. That's an important thing. And don't forget to support their first steps. Because it can be scary breaking out of whatever rut you might be in. But you know what? Everyone needs a Barnabas. And if you're under the sound of my voice tonight, God wants to use you in someone's world. Someone's world. To pull someone in from the outer, believe in them, Connect them to your mates and support them as they step out and start doing new things. How cool is Barnabas? What a character. What a character. Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Could we all stand tonight together and I'll pray for us. For everyone who's online with us tonight, just right here in this moment together. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the inspiration that we find in lives like Barnabas. Someone who who risked so much, believed so much, was prepared to risk his reputation, his friendships, whatever it took to see Saul connected and thriving and becoming everything you'd created him to be. Help us, Father, to identify people around us, Help us to be Barnabas to others. In Jesus' name. You might be here tonight with us, either online or right here in the building, and maybe following Jesus has not been where you're at. But you're here tonight, and I'm just preaching about a Bible character, but I've found over the years God can be really speaking to your heart about your relationship with him, about where you stand with him, how you're positioned with God or not. And, uh, and, and I don't want to let tonight go without giving you the opportunity to take a step towards Jesus Christ as your Savior. He loves you. He gave his life for you to bring you back into relationship with God. So if you're here tonight and maybe God, church, that stuff, that's not your usual thing. Well, friend, that's only your choice. Uh, you can make that decision tonight. Say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to know you. 
And just right where you stand, right where you are, just while we're in this moment of prayer, you can reach out to God for yourself in your heart of hearts. And you can ask Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. Help me to follow you. Help me to, to become more like you. You can just reach out to God, open your heart in that way, just right as we stand here. And I'm going to ask Mike to come, let you know what happens next.